Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Sports Rehab Lab. We want our listeners to know this podcast is for general information purposes only. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are our own and do not represent those of our respective employers, affiliated institutions, or organizations. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on the episode description of this podcast and on our website. We'd like to let all of our listeners know that the Hospital for Special Surgery and the Brooklyn Nets are introducing a new lower extremity professional sports fellowship that will begin in April of 2024. This one-year fellowship is open to a dual accredited PTATC where they'll learn from the very best sports medicine staff at the hospital along with working an entire season with the G League affiliate of the Brooklyn Nets, the Long Island Nets, as part of their rehab and performance staff. If you have a passion for basketball and are interested to get your foot in the door in professional sports, then this is definitely the fellowship for you. Applications are now being accepted and the deadline is February 15th. For more information, DM us on our Instagram page at Sports Rehab Lab. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to replicate the speed of sport during rehab in the clinic. Are we really getting to the point where we've progressed patients to the speed of sport? What ways are we adding speed into our programs into the clinic? And can we stress our joints in the clinic as much as high-speed sport does? Let's go. Welcome to the Sports Rehab Lab Podcast, where you'll hear real talk from real clinicians who treat real sports patients. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sports Rehab Lab with our regular crew, myself, Snape Patel, Terrence Scroy, Pat Vignona, Robbie Andrews, Billy Maroney, and Jamie Osmack. Before we start, Robbie, you got off the hook fast. What's your entrance song? You never answered this from the last hot seat. Oh. What's your entrance song when you come to yeah. the clinic? We I talked heard about it, it the next day. I heard, I heard it in the, the other day in the gym. Uh, Mace feels so good. <laughs> just a good vibe it's like the little trumpets come on in the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i walk in a room right. and that song's playing everyone's in a good mood let's go all right all right well i know what to play tomorrow when you come into the clinic so all right all right that's gonna, so that's uh, gonna be uh, the outro can, of this episode stay, stay what would your entrance song be mine i yeah. thought i said that i thought it was i thought i i, I answered it like juicy i'd come juicy. in juicy yeah yeah that would be mine. Hey, there you go. Here's hey, Robbie. Here's Robbie. Oh, yeah. Robbie's here. <laughs> Tell me you're not in a good mood when I walk through. There you go. Oh, like That's it. it. Well, there we go. There we yeah. go. All right. I don't think we have the rights to that song. I like Let's that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nah, nah, they're not going right, to right, this right. out. All right, here we go. Here we go. Well, People so need we to always talk about. This, well, all right, all right, all right, Jamie. All right, all right. Go, go, go. All right. So we talk about the concept of return to play a lot. Uh, I think we recently did a conference it was just yesterday where uh, one of the doctors brought up that returning to play is really different than returning to sport. Like returning to play can just be them, you know, getting their foot on the field or just starting some kind of practice session, but. What we're all interested in is not returning to play, but returning to full sport, which means com- competitive, explosive, high-speed sport. And and that last point of high speed is what we're going to discuss today. And that's 
trying to replicate the speed of sport in the clinic setting. I think this is an area that a lot of us as PTs in general fall short in because, you know, we have patients, they pass their metrics, they pass all their tests in the clinic, but are they really ready to return to full high speed sport? You know, Billy, I know that you think about this a lot. So I'm, I'm going to start with you today first. Like why, why is this so important not to stop short and address this whole concept of high speed training while we're in the clinic? Yeah, I guess I think, um, I mean, we spend so much time focusing on restoring strength, getting people strong, but then we realize, I mean, sport, it happens at such quick contact times, velocities, and, and there's so many other neuromuscular qualities that kind of go along with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good to be strong and that's the foundation for everything else on top of it. But ultimately after that, that's only half the battle. You got to get power, you got to get rate of force development and all these other elastic and contractile qualities that come along with it, or else you're really not going to close the gap on truly getting back to sport. So, I mean, it's, there's just it's a com- lot. It's more completely missed. And I think a lot of rehab programs. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and the other side of it is t- tissue gets stressed differently at velocities, right? So like tendons work harder. And I mean, if you just move slow all the time and we had that talk about kind of Keith Barr's work, stress is different when, when things move a little faster, um, so honestly, you're just going to overload. I mean, I'm, I'm at fault here too. So, I mean, I feel like I, sometimes in all of my programs, I, I think sometimes I skip it and I don't know if it's just cause we're, we're busy or, or whatever, but I know in the past I've skipped it and I'm trying to be more mindful of getting joints moving faster. Cause I mean, you think about the normal progression of someone's program where of course it's a controlled setting first, whether it's coming off of a injury or surgery. So there's some sort of tissue irritability that's calming down or healing that's happening. And then we're starting a basic strengthening program, restoring range of motion. But then when we start doing their functional sports specific exercises and we call them sports specific, but are they really sports specific if they're moving, you know, extremely slow and controlled, I'd probably say no. I mean, maybe that's just an advanced strengthening phase. And if you really want to be truly sports specific, I mean, you've got to, and granted, it's almost impossible to match the speed of every sport in a clinic, but you've got to move them faster. And I, I don't think, I think I've sort of missed that on some of my rehabs, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and I think it's something that I'm definitely going to pay more attention to because we think about, and that's what we talk about now with our interval progression programs, where the interval program essentially is a progression of load and stress as the patient's moving faster, right? To get them back to game speed. But the gap from rehab to their interval interval progression, whether it's a running progression or a throwing progression, I don't think that we come close to the speeds, in all honesty. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I agree. I think I, that – well, go back to what, what, T, what you just said about how you feel like you made – you know, missed it. I don't think it's your fault. I think, you know, I think we're all a little jaded from taking over uh, programs that – that whole strength phase was skipped and they went too quickly into that return to sport um, speed phase. And, and they, they usually don't turn out well. So f- for me, especially, you know, look, you know, looking back over the last five, six years, it's, I've always had to like go back to strengthening and I wanted to make sure that that never happens again. And yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna tell off and forget about the other things, but um, yeah, I'm definitely way more conscious of it now and try to introduce things and, uh, that are more sports specific, you know, like we talked about on the you know, couple episodes ago about 
knowing the sport that your athlete is in. And if you're not comfortable in that sport, or you don't know it as well, or somebody who you work with does know that sport, you know, that's when you should probably, you know, either co-treat or transfer them over to them. Yeah. I mean, Robbie, even if we just start with the overhead athlete, right? So, I mean, think about what we do or what the typical progression is from, you know, band work at zero abduction to 90 degrees of abduction, right? How fast does the arm move when you're doing inter-rotation at 90 degrees of abduction? Slow. 7,000 degrees a second? No, no, we're looking for for muscle muscle tension. (laughs) Right. Okay. So so then they they pass through that and they move to their plyometrics, right? And is their arm moving 7,000 degrees a second yet? No way. No. And then now let's go through a plyometrics and then start throwing. Right. Right. So granted, like, I think that, I know Dan Klein's a big proponent of this and, you know, he's sort of opened my eyes to this in the past and it was nice to have him talk at the conference for us, but he does a lot of that stuff. And, you know, you see some like the more like the arm care guys and we do it in the clinic with like the banded, you know, slaps with their internal extra rotate as fast as they can. Uh, but I think we need to figure out ways to do more of it. And there's a lot of different exercises. I mean, we do like the plyo ball drops and, and all that stuff. It's still not that speed. Yeah. Um, you know, I think med balls sort of get us close to some extent with like a rotational component where we're going to be explosive with the med balls. But I think we as a group have to, you know, both upper and lower extremity have to come up with a progression of exercises that we add to our routines because plyos probably is not the last step before an interval throwing progression. It should be plyos with with some form of speed component of an, like a group of exercises. And then from there, then they could go into throwing. And it's very easy to do now. If you just have someone, you know, wear a pulse and you get their arm speed with, you know, a pulse at say 60 feet, if we're going to decide to have them start their interval throwing program at 60 feet at partial effort or whatever it is, you know, 40 miles an hour, if you want to use a radar gun or if you want to, uh, just have them throw with enough effort to get it there. We we would know exactly how fast the arm's moving to do that. And then from there, we can almost say, all right, now put the pulse on and in rehab, let's do a couple exercises, some speed drills and see how fast we get the arm moving during the speed drill and see if we can almost match that speed so it's a quick, it's a better transition as they get into that progression or that program. Um, and then you can obviously have your objective measurements along the way. But we, I think we definitely need a better set of exercise because we have just these groups of, yeah, strength below shoulder height, strength above shoulder height, plyos, throw. Yeah, right? and I, I agree. I mean, I think Billy, I think it was Billy that touched on this recently and uh, maybe we were talking about returning to sport and he was saying how he likes to be kind of one step ahead of what they're doing on their own or, or in their, you know, interval, whatever program that they're doing. And that's definitely, you know, we're not doing that at all. I think with the throwers, right. For the most part, like we're not, you know, we can't, they're only stressing their arm as far out distance wise as they're getting to, right. Like they're never stressing more than that, I guess. So we don't have any way to move faster than what they're doing. Right. To your point, like we should be doing much more higher speed exercise in the clinic so that when they are out at 90 feet or something like that, they've already kind of experienced that type of stress before or that speed, I should say. Then I think it's just bridging the gap because once they start throwing, then the arm, that's going to be their exercise, right? So they, they'll be doing speed work as they throw, but how do we ramp them up to the, the initiation of throwing? Because their arm, even at 60 feet, is going to be moving faster than it was with exercise that we've been doing with them in the clinic, right? Right. So I think it's the gap from the plyos to that 60-foot phase. And 
Maybe it's as simple as us just getting a pulse on someone. I mean, it takes a Sunday night podcaster to actually think about this, but you know, maybe that's uh, maybe that's what we need to start doing is see what kind of velocity or what kind of arm speed we can generate with certain exercises in the clinic and find the ones that best bridge that gap and then start incorporating them into our programs. Did, did, but didn't even, we do this before? I think we tried it. You guys, didn't we try this? With the no, we did the we we were trying pliers. to test. But well, we tried to test valgus stress with our plyo exercise yeah. to see if we could progress valgus stress, oh, but we didn't right. look at speed. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, but guys, even from like a lower extremity, so how do you guys bridge the gap from you know general lower extremity rehab exercises to? And I know Pat loves a box jump. So Pat, how do you bridge from a box jump progression <laughs> to someone getting back on the pitch? Um, not box jumps. Let's say that. Uh, the how do you bridge that it, it's i think introducing um believe it or not like like ladder drills i think that's such a low impact thing i know i know that that kind of yeah some people are afraid to do that because they can't run yet but i i'm if you've ever done a ladder drill it's really nothing too stressful uh so doing a ton of ladder drills after that like probably about 12 between that 12 and 14 week mark um, right when you start thinking about running, I think that's when I start introducing that. Um, the banded, when you hold on to a band, you do like the assisted, like a uh, little, like, like pogo hops just to reload everything throughout the, just at the ankle as well. Um, and also like, like soccer wise, like doing little, little volleys, like standing there with your patient and just throwing a ball to them and letting them hit it back. Very controlled. You're not standing on a, freaking bosu ball upside down and kick, kicking a ball back at them you just just getting their timing down and um also the blaze pods help a lot to me honestly sitting there and just like having a cog yeah 100 percent, and getting that foot out to the blaze pod just like it's they're like defending awesome. yeah for sure Snay, what the other think? side of it too i think is in the in the strength side too we it, it doesn't all have to be impact so i think sometimes we'll, you'll see us using bands on a trap bar to start slowing the bar down a little bit and you're mm. pushing almost like a dynamic effort thing like west side you're going sets of three fast where you kind of hit and go obviously they got to have good strength control but stuff like that using the kaisers uh k-box and driving even if it's not the speed of sport you're starting to drive the velocity side of force and velocity yeah. not just force but I mean, that complements for how about well. rate of force development like could we be doing more with the force plates and trying to increase our rate of force development on the plates. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, we, we I just can. think those are things we're just, we're, we're not doing like it's, 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 it's a lost thing that I think we all should be doing it. I think we all talk about it and I think it's, but I think it's not just us. I think it's people from all over We're we're so, I think because of time and how much time we have with patients in the clinic and how much we can be with them, it's hard to do all of these things. Uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of stuff from Jamie, like from the whole kinetic linking uh, concept that, you know, we've been doing for years. Like Jamie once told me, he's like, you, you just don't need slow velocity strength. You need high velocity strength as well. So it's not just once you, with some of my basketball players, I will work on a lot of slow eccentric movement at the beginning, but then I want that to move into that fast eccentric movement too, because if they get down fast, they can push up fast and get that, get that force out of there. So, I mean, I learned a, a lot from him with like double leg eccentric strength, you know, slow eccentrics going to fast, going from slow eccentric single leg to fast eccentric single leg. So 
I just think that we we forget about it. I I personally forget to sprint people. Like my sport is a lot of sprinting from one end of the court to the other. I mean, it's not all the time, but they have to go and I miss the mark all the time where I'm like, you know, I everybody runs on the treadmill. Yeah, you know, they might run fast, but I don't I don't sprint them. I think it was several years back when Jamie had the curve at uh, at the other oh, the other curve. Side. Yeah, oh, the and he would do great. a lot of acceleration and, and sprinting, uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, or, or, or move technique. faster. <laughs> you either, yes. you either yeah. fall or Sink move or fast. Yeah. yeah. No, but, but I, I think paperwork. that's the big, yeah. I use Jamie a lot for that. The uh, the ladder drills, you know, especially after, uh, you know, ACL reconstruction, I think, like, timing mechanisms and how fast you can move your limbs, like, get through the ladder as fast as you physically can. Yeah. And the more you work on it, the better those circuits start to connect. I I just think it, I, it's so true, though. You know, I, it, when it's appropriate, I think that that's uh, that's kind of key. Yeah. And that, I mean, it translates to all sports. I mean, then I think about some of like our stabilizations, right? So if we move away from the throwers, our contact athletes, right? If you're blocking someone on the line, you need to rapidly get your arms up, right? Or, or if you're a soccer goalie and you're going to land on your arms, like you need to go through a a progression where it's speed, right? And if have a way to control the speed first, but then it's got to be explosive. And I think that you as, and I think, I don't know, maybe sometimes a therapist, I know early on in my career, I was always nervous. Like I didn't want to mess up the injury or the surgery, but I think you've got to have enough confidence in your program and your progression of stress and your progression of exercise where you've got to get to the point where you trust yourself enough to do these exercises with these patients. And it goes back to like we just talked about where, you need to know what they need to do in their sport, right? So whether it's be able to fall on their arm or a gymnast being able to rapidly explode, like think about the gymnasts, Robbie. We see them all the time with their elbows. Like they have to go back to such an explosive, like the vaults. Like how much stress, Snay? How much stress is on an elbow during a vault? It's, like I'm surprised these things don't yeah. dislocate. That like that's we don't it's, do. It's ridiculous. I don't even know how to. I didn't even know how to stress them that much in a clinic. Like it's so hard. You can't. Like, I think that's the thing. That's the thing. Like there are certain things that you cannot stress in the clinic, but it's like you said, you need to get as close as you can to doing those things. You know, when you are a new grad, like I, I can see, like you get an ACL, you get you get a, a shoulder stabilization that comes in. You just want that person to look good, feel good, so when they go back to the doctor, it's like, all right, I, I've checked your strength. You look solid. You're ready to go, but you're right. You need to push these patients to the limit because they don't know how. It kind of goes into that sports specific progression after after they're done. Like they've tested out, and you know we haven't really showed them what to do with their sport. Like you have to push those boundaries in the clinic as much as you can. Otherwise, you're you really are setting them up for some sort of failure in their sport. Like you know if 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 you don't load one of these gymnasts their elbow enough and then you're like hey you, you know you look great yeah 100 percent. the first time they go do a vault or they're doing some huge tumbling routine there's going to be something in their head that says can i really take it because they, they haven't stressed it that much no 100 well that's a lot of for there's a lot of silence there for a second so no i, I, mean, I was i got a point to that too and i think sometimes especially again with acl and stuff like that and then we'll hear these people say i I feel good. I just don't have the confidence yet. And I think that's 
part of that missing piece there, Snake, too, is like, yeah, just because you've done stuff slow, you built your strength, doesn't mean you're going to automatically be confident. You got to kind of earn that right. And I think a lot of times that that buildup of the on field work and the really being explosive and reactive and all that, and that's where the confidence is going to come from. Yeah, I mean, the, the confidence comes from when you go back too, though. I mean, yeah. we can we we can only do so much in a clinic. Like Snake, you're talking about like sprinting at your athlete. Like we have a big clinic, and like we we can't sprint our professional athletes in there. Like it's you have to trust that the when, when you do release them, that they're going to to people who who know how to. Yeah. progress them appropriately totally. and it's it's some blind faith there but you know we can't you know beat ourselves up because we're doing everything we can other than and that's force, and that's part of the development production yeah i was gonna say the same thing i mean that's not necessarily our our native skill set when we come out of pt school is knowing rate of force development power and like if you're if you're going through sprint mechanic stuff and all that and that's why we rely on people like jamie and good quality training professionals to kind of help go through that i mean we, we try to dabble in it and, and learn as much as we can but i mean that's a whole skill set in itself to really get that side of sport back yeah. and i don't even think it's that far like i like i'm not gonna tell you how to throw but i need to make sure that i'm confident that you can go and start to throw yeah, right yeah. just like sprinting like you need to be confident that you've taken through enough stuff where they can run and you feel confident in running and then from there it's a progression right so any i mean you would think any good strength coach could take them through a normal for when they can start running and they're moving faster then they can go back to their sprint and ramp everything up and change the direction and everything else but but i think for us they always think like have we done enough to get them to that next phase yes or no and if you haven't you probably should figure it out i mean gotta, i think we all let them yeah, go I mean, eventually <laughs> yeah i mean but i always think like what could i have done better with my patients and there's always yeah. i feel like there's a lot of times there's something and you know maybe it's just I got in a rut where I just forgot, like, or I, or I just sort of, you get in this routine where you're seeing these patients and patients and patients. And sometimes, you know, it just slips your mind. Well, and I always think like, all right, I need to go back to it. Right. Yeah. Jamie, I got one question for you. When you're training people at, you know, like, even if it's someone who's coming off of an injury and, you know, we send them to you to get like, Hey, Jamie's going to run you through this return to sport or get, get you back to playing. Or you just have a client who's coming in just trying to be athletic do you use any speed progressions to help, you know, kind of educate them to say, hey, we're doing this so you don't, you're, we're, we're using this as a preventative measure so you don't get more injuries? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely like a very slow progression of plyometrics. And I want to see kind of what their IQ of that sort of like plyometric progression would be at that point. Um, but, you know, I, it, it depends on where they are in say the timeline of the surgical procedure at the point. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it, yeah, it, it that, that, yeah. Good answer. <laughs> oh, good. There we go. All right. All right. All right. Let's move on. All right. Here, here we go. Let's, good, let's good, go good job. I got, Patty, Patty, I got, what you got? I got hot seat here today. All right, let's go. Um, Snay, what's the hottest food you've ever eaten? This is a tough one. Go ahead. You, you know, I pepper? have, oh, it, no, no, here, here's what I'll, I'll tell you. So my dad, my dad was a, a food chemist and so he would, uh, he would bring stuff home and he brought <laughs> home this little stainless steel jar and on it said capsaicin, which, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, this is hot. So I unscrewed it and it was a dark, <laughs> 
dark red liquid in there. So I put my finger on the cap and I, I put it on my tongue and my dad comes out. He's like, what in the hell are you doing? And right away, it was the most intense burn I had on my tongue and then on my finger. And I read the, the label and it said 1 million Scoville unit, like uh, concentrated capsaicin. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think, I think a jalapeno is somewhere like 100,000 or something like that. So it was like a million the hottest thing I ever had, I thought my tongue was gonna. Uh, Why do you have fall that? Off. J- Jamie, uh, he's a Jamie. food chemist. He's like, he's like, who knows? Flavor the new Doritos. Oh wow, Jesus Jamie, yeah. Jamie, Jamie, yes. favorite favorite drink on a golf course? Uh, transfusion. Yeah. Terrence, what sport would be course. the most fun to add alcohol to? <clears throat> Cool. Add alcohol to? I mean, I think alcohol should be involved in, in many sports, but probably curling. <laughs> I think I think there's alcohol in already. <laughs> a lot. Do you imagine, imagine what these guys would be doing? Like, that be, stone you that that stone in the air. I mean, it's like my oh, kids yeah. bowling. The ball Little flies English. four lanes over. I mean, I want I want to see curling. Yeah, Billy. Some how mu- transfusions into curling. Billy, how much money have you spent on golf clubs in the last two years? Your wife's oh, not going to listen to it. Don't she, don't worry about it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Carry to carry the four and <laughs> yeah, over under five four digits, <laughs> not five digits. Yeah, <laughs> no answer. All right, yeah. all right, Robbie. Last one. You uh, you dry shaving shaving that head, or you you machine shaving that head? Ooh, I'm. Uh, Are you like picking it? I'm picking it. I'm picking it. Smooth, really? smooth. Yeah. Oh, I've never so seen any better. nicks on your head. Good job, man. Good job. I've, I've caught myself twice, and it was uh, it was bad. Remember, uh, T. Right. Remember, I'm not gonna say his name, but the guy we used to work with is coming with <laughs> duct tape on his head. Oh, duct <laughs> tape! Oh my god! 100%. I hope he's listening. Yeah. All right, the well, outro song. You, we'll, we'll we'll get you one day, guys. Thanks for listening again. Again, yeah. like, oh, we got the outro. Uh, outro. See you, Robbie. Robbie's here. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, like, subscribe, throw some questions on our Instagram page, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Sports Rehab Lab podcast. Please like and subscribe on both Spotify and Apple. And if you can, leave us up to a five-star review as well. We would greatly appreciate that. If you have questions for us or comments about the podcast or guests you'd like us to consider, DM us on our Instagram page at at Sports Rehab Lab. We read all of our comments so your messages are always being heard. The Sports Rehab Lab podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of physical therapy, medicine, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The views, opinions, and approaches expressed in this podcast by our hosts, guests, and contributors do not represent those of their respective employers, affiliated institutions, or organizations. We encourage our listeners to use their discretion and consider multiple sources of information when making decisions regarding sports medicine, fitness, or health. Listeners should consult with their medical providers 
listeners prior to taking any action based on information shared on this podcast. The materials linked to this podcast are at the user's own risk, and the content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to establishing a standard of care, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. In no way does reading, listening, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish any kind of doctor-patient relationship. Thank <laughs> you.